Microsoft Story Classic, bringing to you recordings of old storybooks. Sir Gibby, Episode 30, The Lorry Meadow. It was high time, according to agricultural economics, that Donald Grant should be promoted a step in the ranks of labor. A youth like him was fit for horses and their work, and looked idle in a field with cattle, but Donald was not ambitious, at least in that direction. He was more and more in love with books, and learning, and the music of thought and word, and he knew well that no one doing a man's work upon a farm could have much time left for study, certainly not a quarter of what the herd boy could command. Therefore, with his parents' approval, he continued to fill the humbler office, and received the scantier wages belonging to it. The day following their adventure on Glashgar, in the afternoon, Nissy being in the grounds with her little mistress, proposed that they should look whether they could see her brother down in the meadow of which her mother had spoken. Ginevra willingly agreed, and they took their way through the shrubbery to a certain tall hedge which divided the grounds from a little grove of larches on the slope of a steep bank, descending to the lorry, on the other side of which lay the meadow. It was a hawthorn hedge, very old, and near the ground very thin, so that they easily found a place to creep through. But they were no better on the other side, for the larches hid the meadow. They went down through them, therefore, to the bank of the little river, the largest tributary of the Daur, from the roots of Glashgar. There he is, cried Nissy. I see him, responded Jenny, with his cows all about the meadow. Donald sat a little way from the river, reading. He's A.S.'s book, said Nissy. I wonder what book it is, said Jenny. They wad be ill to say, answered Nissy. Donald reads a handful of books, Mare, his mother says, nor she doubts he can will get the good of. Do you think it's Latin, Nissy? Ah, uh, I dare say, but no, it cannot be Latin, for look, he's laughing, and he couldn't have did that again to our Latin. I'm thinking it'll be a story. There's a heap of them pretend to know they tell me. Or deed, maybe it may be a sign. He thinks a heap of signs. I should like to ask Donald what book he has got, said Jenny. I'll cry till I man ye can spear, said Nissy. Donald, Donald, Donald. Donald looked up and seeing his sister came running to the bank of the stream. Can ye come o'er, Donald, said Nissy. Here's Miss Galbraith wants to spear ye a question. Donna was across in a moment, for here the water was nowhere over a foot or two in depth. Oh, Donald, you've wet your feet, cried Ginevra. Donald laughed. What do all that do me, ma'am? None, I hope, said Jenny, but it might, you know. I might hae been drooned, said Donald. Nissy, said Jenny with dignity, your brother's laughing at me. "'Na, na, ma'am,' said Donald apologetically. "'I was only so glad to see you and Nissy, and I forgot my manners.' "'Then,' returned Jenny, quite satisfied, "'would you mind telling me what book you were reading?' "'It's a book o' balance,' answered Donald. "'I'll read and owe them to ye. Gin ye like em?' 
I should like very much, responded Jenny. I've read all my own books till I'm tired of them, and I don't like Papa's books. A pause naturally followed, which Jenny broke. I don't think you told me the name of the book you were reading. Donald, she said. Gin you want to do in a minute, ma'am, returned Donald. Here's a bonny go-wanny spot. I would read a bit till ye and see gin ye like it afore I tell to ye the name o' it. She dropped it once on the little gawani bed, gathered her frock about her ankles, and said, Sit down, Nissy. It's so kind of Donald to read something to us. I wonder what it's going to be. She uttered everything in a deliberate, old-fashioned way, with precise articulation, in a certain manner that an English mother would have called prickish, but which was only the outcome of Scotch stiffness, her father's rebukes, and her own sense of propriety. Donald read the ballad of Kemp Owen. I think, I think I don't think I understand it, said Geneva. It is very dreadful, and, and I don't know what to think. Tell me about it, Donald. Do you know what it means, Nissy? Nay, glint Missy, answered Nissy. Donald proceeded at once to an exposition. Here, unhappily, Donald had to rush through the burn without leave-taking, for Horny was attempting a trespass, and the two girls, thinking it was time to go home, rose and climbed to the house at their leisure. The rest of the day Geneva talked of little else than what Donald had read to her. Saying now and then, what a nice boy that Donald of Nissy's was. Nor was more than the gentlest hint necessary to make Nissy remark the next morning that perhaps if they went down again to the lorry, Donald might come and bring the book. But when they reached the bank and looked across, they saw him occupied with Gibby. They had their heads close together over a slate, upon which now the one, now the other seemed to be drawing. This went on and on, and they never looked up. Jenny would have gone home and come again in the afternoon, but Nissy instantly called Donald. He sprang to his feet and came to them, followed by Gibby. Donald crossed the burn, but Gibby remained on the other side, and when presently Donald took his book of balance from his pocket, and the little company seated themselves, stood with his back to them, and his eyes on the note. That morning they were not interrupted. Donald read to them for a whole hour, concerning which reading, and Geneva's reception of it, Nissy declared she could not see what, for they made sick a work about a wean and all balance, and after anything, and neither. There are no half so bonny as the paraphrases, Donald, she said. After this, Geneva went frequently with Nissy to see her mother and learn much of the best from her. Often also they went down to the lorry and had an interview with Donald, which was longer or shorter, as Gibby was there or not to release him. Jenny's life was now far happier than it had ever been. New channels of thought and feeling were opened, new questions were started, new interests await, so that instead of losing by Miss Mocker's continued inability to teach her, she was learning far more than she could give her, learning it too with the pleasure which invariably accompanies true learning. Little more than child as she was, Donald felt from the first the charm of her society, and she by no means received without giving, for his mental development was greatly expediated thereby. Few weeks passed before he was her humble squire, devoted to her with all the chivalry of a youth for a girl whom he supposes as much his superior in kind as she is in worldly position. His sole advantage, in his own judgment, and that which alone procured him the privilege of her society being that he was older, and therefore knew a little more. 
So potent and genial was her influence on his imagination, that without once thinking of her as their object, he now first found himself capable of making verses, such as they were, and one day, with his book before him, it was Burns, and he had been reading the go and poem to Geneva and his sister, he ventured to repeat, as if he read them from the book, the following, they halted a little, no doubt in rhythm, neither were perfectly rhymed, but for a beginning they had promised. Gibby, who had thrown himself down on the other bank, and lay listening, at once detected the change in the tone of his utterance, and before he ceased had concluded that he was not reading them, and that they were his own. Wren, Bernie, clatter, to the sea wind, gin I was a water, say what I ren, blaw and collar clean, here and hang a wa, gin I was a wind, wa na blaw. Shine out sun, shine strong and fine. Gin I was the sun's son, hurty I would shine. Hardly had he ended when Gibby's pops began from the opposite side of the water, and true to time and ca cadence and feeling, followed with just the one air to suit the song, from which Donald, to his no small comfort, understood that one at least of his audience had received his lilt. But Geneva had not received it, and being therefore of her own mind, and not of the songs, was critical. That one is nonsense, Donald, she said, isn't it now? How could a man be a burn, or a wind, or the sun? But poets are silly, Papa says so. In his mind, Donald did not know which way to look. Physically, he regarded the ground. Happily, at that very moment, Horney caused a diversion, and Gibby understood what Donald was feeling too well to make even a pretense of going after her. I must, to his praise, record the fact that instead of wrecking his mortification upon the cow, Donald spared her several blows out of gratitude for the deliverance her misbehavior had wrought him. He was in no haste to return to his audience. To have his first poem thus rejected was killing. She was but a child who had so unkindly criticized it, but she was the child he wanted to please, and for a few moments life itself seemed scarcely worth having. He called himself silly and crazy, and resolved never to read another poem to a girl so long as he lived. By the time he had again walked through the burn, however, he was calm and comparatively wise, and knew what to say. Did ye hear, yon burn, after ye gang to your bed, ma'am? he asked Geneva, as he climbed the bank, pointing to little lower down the stream to the mountain brook, which there joined it. Always, she answered, it runs right under my window. What can O Adendis to make? he asked again. It is different at different times, she answered. It sings and chatters in summer, and growls and cries and grumbles in winter, or after rain up in Glashgar. Did ye think the burn's only happier in the summer, ma'am? No, Donald, the burn has no life in it, and therefore can't be happier one time than another. Well, ma'am, I would just like to spirit what war it is to fancy yourself a burn, than to fancy the burn a body, a time singing and chattering in the east of growling and grumbling. Well, but Donald, can a man be a burn? Well, ma'am, no, at least no, uh, this world, and it is ain't wool, but when you're lying a hair hearkening to the burn, did you never imagine yourself running dune with the dune to the sea? No, Donald, I always fancied myself going up the mountain where it comes from and running about wild there in the wind, when all the time I know I'm safe and warm in bed. 
Well, maybe that's better yet. I will not say, answered Donald, but just the notch for a change, like you turn and gone, doing with the, your thoughts, I mean. Are you vexed with me, Donald? I'm so sorry, said Geneva, taking the earnestness of his tone for displeasure. No, no, ma'am, you're our guide and ower, Bonnie, answered Donald, to be a vexed to anybody. Geneva was silent. She could not quite understand Donald, but she felt she must be wrong somehow, and of this she was the more convinced when she saw the beautiful eyes of Gibbie fixed in admiration and brimful of love upon Donald. The way Donald kept his vow never to read another poem of his own to a girl was to proceed that very night to make another for the express purpose, as he lay awake in the darkness. The last one he ever read to her in that meadow was this, what gars ye sing, said the herd laddie, what gars ye sing, say lude, to tice them oot o the yard, lay it laddie, the worms for my daily food. And ay, he sang, and better he sang, and the worms creeped it in and out, and on he talked, and twa he loot gang, but still he carol stooped. It's no for the worms, sir, said the herd, they quarrel. Commanding it for ye sang, think ye say, sir? Answered the bird. Maybe you're no other rank, but eh, seeing ye young sorrow to beguile or to guy, I'd fear the flags. No coo of the mavises, but to wow my wee things oot o her eggs. And eh, and the mistress is plenty for that same gear, though ye sang an ear nor late, it's to draw the dead frae. The moor said drear, and opened the kirkyard gate. And uh, na na, it's a better sang nor yea ain, though ye hail notes of fat at wad mock aught, bear banes there safe ain, as to lift the muckle snack. But ain better ye sing nor burn i the moon, nor wave over swan that flows, nor wind with the glinting stars a boon, and aith the roses in rows. And, but I'll spare ye nay, ne'er said, said the herd. I fear what ye might say neist. Ye wa but wander the mare, said the bird, to see the thoughts on my breast. And aye he sang, and better he sang, and the worms creeped it in and out. And and he talked, and twa he looped gang, but still he caroled stout. I doubt whether Geneva understood this song better than the first, but she was now more careful of criticizing, and when by degrees it dawned upon her that he was the maker of these and other verses he read, she grew half afraid of Donald, and began to regard him with big eyes. He became from a herd boy an unintelligible person, therefore a wonder. For brought thus faced verses, she could not help trying to think how he did the thing, and as she felt no possibility of making verses herself, it remained a mystery and an astonishment, causing a great respect for the poet to mingle with the kindness she felt toward Nissy's brother. Thank you for listening to another episode of Agersoft Story Classic.